Uh, hey, look, let me welcome you here to Big Valley Grace, okay? Uh, in case you walked in a little bit late. Welcome to those of you that are over in the venue, and I'm just grateful for all of you. Jackie, thank you for your leadership over there, and, and Pastor Scott, and all of you that are watching online, maybe you're listening on the radio, I'm just, just really super grateful you're, you're with us. Now, if you are visiting with us, if you're actually in the, in the house uh, today or over in the venue, uh, I got a gift I want to I give you. As soon as we're done, uh, we're going to walk out of here and hang out and you know, meet new people and fellowship and all that kind of stuff. But if you're brand new, okay, it's your first time here, not your second time here, which is good, not your third time here, which is really good, but if this is your first time here, you're just going to come right up here. And I'm gonna give you this Bible right here. This is a really nice Bible, nice leather-bound Bible, and it's our gift as a church family to you for coming on Friendship Weekend. So last night we gave away just a bunch of these things, and we, we got a whole bunch. And so if this is your first time here, and over in the venue, you're just gonna walk forward over there, and Pastor Scott is gonna give you one of these, one of these Bibles, okay? And it's our, our gift to you. And... Uh, the question is why? Why give away a nice Bible? Why do, we, why do we do that? And by the way, we give away Bibles here every single weekend, Saturday night and Sunday, literally every single weekend. If, you're, if you come, we have a Bible for you if you don't own one. Now, we don't give away nice ones like, like this with the, with the nice cover and all that, but literally we give away thousands of Bibles here. We wanna make sure that we put into your hands the, the Word of God. And uh, in fact, we buy Bibles for other churches in our community who just can't afford them, and we'll buy them cases of Bibles. We give them to them, and they hand them out to their visitors in their churches. But here's why. Here's why I want to give you uh, a, a, a nice Bible. There are lots of reasons, but let me give you the, maybe the, the big one. The Second Timothy chapter 3 says that all Scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It, the, the word of God, the scriptures, corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it. God uses the scriptures to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. In other words, what, what the, what the writer's saying there is that the Bible is, is not like any other book. This was God-breathed, God-inspired. The Holy Spirit came upon each of the writers and God had them pin the very words that God wanted written. There's no other book like this book. To me, it's the most important book there is. And we wanna make sure that you have a copy of it. We understand that there's a generation out there that's never even seen a Bible. I met a guy last night, literally, he had never touched a Bible, never seen a Bible. He had never been in church before. I grew up in a home where, you know, people didn't believe in the Lord. My, my mom wasn't a, a Christian, uh, but we had a Bible. We, we didn't believe in it. We didn't, you know, you know read it. Uh, but we had one. And I knew, you know, don't goof around with that one. You know, you can goof around with all the books you want, but just don't goof around with that one. Even as somebody who didn't believe in God, I knew that that book was, was kind of special and kind of unique. And so it's going to be our gift to you. All you got to do is come up here, just take a few minutes. And last night, there were just lots of people that I got to, to meet. Just shake your hand, and, and uh, then you can get out to the, to the food and, and, and all that kind of stuff. I'm often asked, Pastor Rick, whew, whew, there's a lot of words in there. And this is large print, by the way. I made sure the Bibles were made for us old guys maybe, you know, but you young guys get to, you know, get in on also, but man, even with that large print, that, that, that's a lot of words between those two leather-bound covers. Pastor Rick, if you, if you could boil it down, you know, can, can, you know, if you were to take it into one or two sentences, what's the point of all of these words? What is it? 
And I can do better than getting it down to one or two sentences. I can get it down to one word, what this book is about. The primary reason for this book, the primary purpose of this book, the reason why we have this book, one word, and that is Jesus. That's what this book is about. The primary message of this book is all about Jesus. Now, the Bible is broken down into two major sections. One of them is called the Old Testament. And there are 39 books in the Old Testament, starting with the book of Genesis. Genesis, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, all the way through to the book of Malachi. There are 39 books in the Old Testament. And the message of those 39 books is one thing, and that is Jesus. Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. The Savior is coming. That's the, the primary message of all 39 books of the Old Testament. When you get to the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, after that prophet writes his book, or his letter, if you will, God goes silent for over 400 years. God doesn't say anything for over 400 years. Not a peep from God until you get to a man by the name of John the Baptist. After 400 plus years, God is gonna break his silence with this new prophet, and it was John the Baptist, and we read about him in the New Testament, which is the second large section of the Bible. The New Testament has 27 books in it, beginning with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and those four books, we call them the gospel, basically tell us about the life of Jesus when he actually walked around here on planet Earth. Then you get to the book of Acts, and it's in the book of Acts where we get to see the church and how it was birthed. And then you've got the great theological work of Romans all the way through the last book of the Bible, which is the book of Revelation, which gives us uh, 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 some, some thoughts and some ideas and some data, if you will, about the end times. So you take the 39 books of the Old Testament, Jesus is coming. You take the 27 books of the New Testament, Jesus has come. You take all 66 books of the Bible, and it all has one primary message, and that is Jesus. Listen to what Jesus himself said in John chapter 5 to a group of people that were reading the Old Testament. Remember, when Jesus was here, we didn't have the 27 books in the New Testament. So Jesus is gonna talk about the Old Testament, the 39 books in the Old Testament, and he says this. He said, you search the scriptures. What scriptures? The 39 books of the Old Testament, if you will. You search those 39 books of the Bible because you think that they give you eternal life. You think that somehow, if you just have a copy of the Bible, somehow that gives you eternal life. You think that somehow, just by reading those 39 books, that somehow that's gonna spare you the, the wrath of God. But Jesus says, no, no, no. But it's the scriptures, the 39 books in the Old Testament that point to me. They're about me, Jesus said. Beloved, everywhere you, you look in the Bible, you see Jesus. So because Jesus is the central figure of the Bible, everything we do here at Big Valley Grace revolves around him. In our children's ministries, it's all about Jesus. Right now, there are literally hundreds and hundreds of kids on our campus. Last night, there were hundreds and hundreds of kids on our campus. Next hour, there's gonna be hundreds and hundreds of kids on our campus. Wednesday nights, we're gonna have hundreds and hundreds of children that are here. And we have one thing to tell them. We're gonna tell them about Jesus. Our youth ministries is all about Jesus. <clears throat> Our Celebrate Recovery ministry down here on Tuesday night is not about a higher power, it's about Jesus. We're gonna tell them, these men and women, about Christ. Our men's ministries, our, our women's ministries all have one primary message, and that is 
Jesus. Our counseling and parenting ministries is all about Jesus. Our small group ministries here at Big Valley Grace are all about Jesus. Big Valley Grace is all about Jesus. The reason why we gather here on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning, one reason. It's all about Jesus. We come to celebrate his life. But here, here's the million-dollar question. Why Jesus? Why Jesus? What's the big deal about Jesus? Well, why not come and, I don't know, celebrate the life of George Washington or Abraham Lincoln? Why not Socrates or, or, or Plato? Why not Julius Caesar or maybe Alexander the Great? Why, why Jesus? What, what makes Jesus so special? Well, this is the, the question that I, um, I want to answer. I want to take a few minutes and, and answer it. And for most of us, uh, some of the things I'm going to share are just going to be really super encouraging. You know them already. And we're going to remember some of the great things that the scriptures teach. But for some of you, it'll be the first time you hear it. And uh, I had the feeling it, it's going to impact your life too. We're all going to be encouraged as we learn why Jesus. But before I get to that question, i got to lay a foundation. Okay? i kind of got to get a running start at this. The first five words of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1 are, in the beginning, God created. And in my humble opinion, those are the most important words in all of the Bible. And here's why. If you can't get past these first five words in the Bible, then the rest of it doesn't matter. God's word says that in the beginning, God created. He created the stars. In these past couple of weeks, I've been looking at these great images from the Hubble telescope. And they've just been fascinating to see the galaxies and the stars and, and the planets. And I'm so thankful for scientists who their, their chosen field is to look at all that God has created and kind of try to figure it all out. God created the earth. Man, this planet of ours that we live on is, 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 is literally perfect. Now they say, oh, somewhere out there there's got to be human life, right? I haven't found it yet. I just know that this planet is absolutely perfect. The Bible says that God was the one who created it. God created the trees. God created flowers. Some of you always ask, hey, Pastor Rick, you're always talking about Gerber daisies, and those are my favorites. I got them in my yard. That's a Gerber daisy. Now, don't ask the question anymore. That's a Gerber daisy. In fact, out in my front yard, I've got a potted plant with these beautiful yellow Gerber daisies, and God created them. God created whales. God created porcupines. Think that one through. Do we have that picture of that porcupine? Put that porcupine up. I think God was having a bad day if it's possible. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, well, I don't know the point. I don't, I was like, I, what? God created birds. I hate to tell you guys this, but our men's pastor, he's like a bird lover guy. He, he'll actually take time out of his schedule. He'll actually take vacations, and he, and he takes a camera, and he goes and takes photographs of birds, and then he sends them to us. So, what? That's what he's doing on his vacation? Taking pictures of, of birds. God created the birds. Just unbelievable, the, the color of those two right there. God, God created spiders. I was looking at this website. I Googled it, and man, how spiders make webs. Just incredible. The complexity of, of, a, of a web. God created beetles. Ooh, look at that thing. Do you know that God 
created over 300,000 different beetles. Four of them formed a band. Anyway. That was, that was stupid. That was really stupid. <laughs> stupid. A friend of mine gave me that joke. Um, but I was wondering, really? 300,000 different beetles God created? It's just bizarre. The Bible says that in the beginning, God created out of nothing, ex nihilio, out of nothing, God created it all. But the Bible also says that God created you, which is my first big bullet point, if you were. I, I want everybody to be reminded of this great truth. And for some of you, it'll be the first time you've ever heard it. That God created you. Listen to what Psalms 139 says. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. And that's the understatement of the year, right? Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. King David, who wrote that, he, he got it. He, 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 could, he could look at, at a human body and go, whoa. This is just unbelievably complex. Psalms 100 says, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. He's the one who made us. Now for some of you, it's the first time you've ever heard that. The culture that we live in today wants you to believe that no, 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 no. A million or a billion or whatever the number is, years ago there was once nothing and then there was something. And that somehow over the course of a billion years all you are is educated goo. All you are is a random chance of two molecules getting together. All you are is a little higher up the evolutionary chain than an orangutan, right? In the beginning, God created. I, well, about once a year or so, I bring out this, this illustration here. I've got a, I've got a mousetrap here. It's got, it's got four moving parts, okay? It's got the dinner plate thing right here. You see it? That's the dinner plate. You put a little cheese on that, little crackers, and you know, a little uh, something like that, and it's right there. It moves. Then you got the chiropractic neck breaker thing right here that uh, adjusts the rat's neck. Uh, however, that moves. Then you got the springs. Okay, the springs right there. They move. And then you got the little doohickey that holds everything down. Okay, it's got four moving. Parts, all it has. There's not a biology teacher on the planet, there's not a college professor anywhere that would stand up and say that that created itself. It only has four moving parts, it's all it has. That's it. Obviously, somebody made it. This guy named Victor. Praise God for Victor. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Now, it, it, it took some intelligence, by the way, to make this. Not a lot, but it took some. And the little intelligence it took, he, he's a billionaire. That's what this guy is. Obviously, this had a maker. You didn't have to put Victor on here. I, I can look at this, and it only has four moving parts, and it's just so obvious to me that this has a maker. I want you to look down at your watch. Now, this took a little bit more intelligence to create than, than this four moving part 
Mousetrap, obviously. If you were to open a watch up and you were to look at the inside of it, it's pretty, pretty amazing how it works. And there's not a biology teacher on the planet. There's not a college professor on the planet that would stand up and say that your watch on your wrist was created you know, somehow on its own. No, your watch might say Bulova, it might say Seiko, it might say Timex, it might say Rolex, it might have some name on it, but you don't even need to put that name on it. You just know intuitively that this thing had to have a maker. It couldn't have created itself. Now, as I said, it, it took more intelligence to make than this. And then you think about, I don't know, the human brain. Hmm. The human heart. The human hand. You know, the hand is just this unbelievable thing. It can, it can catch balls. It's just unbelievable what it can do. And yet, it can feel the slightest touch. I was looking at the human eyeball this past week. Obviously, this had a maker. And it has four moving parts. Obviously, this has a maker. But the world is out there telling you that didn't. That there was once nothing, and bang! There was something. And now we have a human eyeball. We have a brain, we have a heart, we have a hand. You're sitting here right now, and the reason why God has you here is that you would hear something that maybe you've never heard before. You're not a happenstance of nature. You're not a chance meeting of two molecules a billion years ago. The Bible says that you were created by God. And it took a lot of intelligence. This took some intelligence. How much more a human eyeball? Now as great and special as this is, the fact that you were created by God, I wanna go just a little bit deeper, okay? This is my second big point that I want you to remember. You were created by God in his very image. Genesis chapter one, it says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image and in our likeness. So God created human beings in his image. Human beings, you and, and I are, are made in the very image of God and that's what makes human life way different than any other life. Cows and goats and trees and whales and porcupines and Gerber daisies and spiders and, and beetles aren't created in the image of God. They're created by God, but they weren't created in his image. Only you are. And that's what gives human life dignity. It's what sets human life apart from a mouse. We call it the sanctity of human life. Look, I know some of you, and you know, that makes you nauseous to think that a mouse or a rat's gonna die. I can't tell you how many of them I've been killed at my house. Never once did I lose any sleep over it. Never once. Pick them up, throw them in the trash. Man, I'm done. That mouse was created by God. Never thought twice about it when it died. Human life's way different, isn't it? 
There is something about human life. In fact, the way it's kind of set up all over the planet is, if you take another human life, you're probably going to spend the rest of your life in jail or, or worse, right? Because human life has value to it that's different than any other life. And the reason why that's true is, is because human life was made in the very image of God. It's what separates us from every other life form. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 12. He said, look at the birds. He created them. They don't need to plant or to harvest or put food in barns because God just takes care of them. And you are far more valuable to him than any birds. And the reason why you are far more valuable to God than a porcupine or a whale or a seal or an eagle or a Gerber daisy is because you were made in his very image. That's what gives your life great value. Look, here's the deal. On the day you were born, when you came out of the Hatcherewski, and there you were, God was in the delivery room. Woo! You were created by him in his image, yes, woo! There wasn't anybody more excited than God was because you are created by him and in his image. I wonder if kids were taught that today, if it might make a difference in our world. Instead of teaching children that you know what, all you are is educated goo. That's it. All you are is, you know, a little higher up the evolutionary chain than a monkey. And that's all you are. If they were to hear this, which is why the church exists, this is the only place where you're going to hear something like that. That you're special because you were created in the very image of God. Now let me drill down on this a, 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 a little bit more. Because you were created in his image, God has a purpose for your life. He has a purpose for your existence. God said this to a man by the name of Jeremiah. He said, before I made you in your mother's womb, Jeremiah, remember, he's the one that creates people. Before I made you, I chose you. Before you were born, I set you apart for a special work. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now here's the deal. You weren't set apart to be a prophet to the nations. But you were set apart for something. Long before you were ever a twinkle in your mom and dad's eyes, God knew you, he was gonna create you, he was gonna create you, create you in his image, and he had a purpose for your life. God doesn't make anything in vain. There's a reason for it. Now I know that some of you have no idea what that purpose is. I get it. I think it's one of the reasons why God has this thing called the church. And so people can come and they can learn about God and they can learn what their purpose is. What, what it is that God wants you to do with your one life. And you might be thinking, well, I'm a truck driver. Does God not want me to be a truck driver? Oh, yeah, he does. Nothing wrong with being a truck driver. Nothing wrong with being a mechanic. Nothing wrong with being a, I don't know, a lawyer, an attorney, or a coach, or a stay-at-home parent, or whatever. Those are all great. But God has a purpose that he wants integrated into whatever it is you do. You see, he created you. He created you in his image. And he created you with an unbelievable purpose in mind. He wants you to wake up in the morning when your alarm goes off and go, yes, got another day, man. Woo! Too many people, man, their alarm goes off in the morning. And it's like, oh, man. Yeah. Oh, it's Monday. I had a dream it was Friday. I got five more of these to go. You know, horrible as this.
In Ephesians chapter two, listen to this. This is just beautiful. I hope this encourages you. It says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good things which God prepared in advance for us to do. He created you, he created you in his image, and he created you with a great purpose in mind. And that purpose that he had in mind for your life, he thought about long before you were ever born. You're his workmanship. He puts you together just the way you are. Look, your parents may not have wanted you, but he did. You may not have, you know, you may not know who your mom and dad are. God just used them to get you into this world so that he could use you for whatever purposes he's got planned for you. Now this brings me to the last thing that I want to share with you, okay? Not only were you created by God, and I hope that brings you some encouragement. Not only were you created in his image, and that's, that's just a great thought. Not only were you created in his image with a great purpose, but, but, but here's the last one, right? Ready? Here we go. You were created by God in his very image, and he loves you deeply. Not only did he create you, not only did he create you in his image, not only does he have this unbelievable plan for your life, your family, or whatever it might be, but he loves you deeply. Psalms chapter 145 says, the Lord is righteous in all of his ways and loving towards all he has made. He made you. Not only did he make you, he made you in his image. And he's loving towards all that he's made. He loves you. You walk out of here today, I want you to know, you're loved by God. You're loved deeply by God. You're loved more by God than I could ever try to unpack for you. I was thinking about these three things, that you were created by God, you were created by God in his very image, and you were created by God in his very image, and he loves you deeply. And I know these things. I've been here 35 years. These are all things that I know. I don't look at them every day. I don't think about these truths every day. But this past week, I just want you to know, I couldn't help but sit in my office and just have a lot of joy. I was so encouraged. The word of God just encouraged me. And I know for many of you, probably all of you, that's encouraging. And you look at that and you go, wow. That ought, to, that ought to change the way you get up in the morning. That ought to change the way you, you go to work. That, that, that ought to change the way you raise your kids. That ought to change the way you go to bed. That, that ought to change the way you choose whoever your spouse is going to be for the rest of your life. Man, those are just three unbelievably encouraging thoughts. But here's the deal. Still haven't answered the question of why Jesus. I, I, I got I to take us down for a moment. This is a high. I gotta bring this down just to, uh, uh, for a moment. You see, we, we've got a huge problem. Yes, we were created by God. Yes, we were created by God in his image. And yes, he has a purpose for our life. And yes, he loves us deeply. But the Bible says this in Romans chapter five, that when Adam sinned, sin entered into the world. After God created the first two human beings, Adam and Eve, they sinned. They disobeyed God. They blew God off. And at that very moment when Adam sinned, it reverberated to everybody else. It's one of the things that we've inherited from the first human being on the planet, and that was Adam. All of us have sinned. This is why everything is so messed up in the world today. 
When Adam disobeyed God, when Adam sinned against God, it messed everything up because it brought sin and evil into the hearts of human beings, which then obviously brought sin and evil into the very world that we live in. In other words, the world is messed up because the human heart is messed up. When you look at all the crummy things that one human being can do to another, or you look at all the crummy things that one human being can do to themselves, there's only one answer for it, and that is sin. Just pick up your newspaper on any given day. I don't get a physical newspaper anymore. I get them at be on my smartphone, and I get other papers on my smartphone. And literally, every day you can open up any newspaper and just be sickened by what one human being can do to another human being. I was reading about this whole group of men and women who would kidnap children and take photos of them and send them out Sin is an evil thing. And make no mistake about it, all of us have sinned. All of us. It's the one thing, man, we all have in common in this room or over in the venue or those of you that are watching online. Oh, the color of our skin may be different. Our ages may be different. Our stages of life may be different. We have, some may have more money in the bank than others in here. Some may live in different parts of our city. Some drive different kinds of cars, right? But the one thing we all have in common is we've all sinned. We've all blown it. We've all had thoughts, right, that we know were wrong. We've said things, right, that we know are wrong. We've done things that we know are wrong. All of us. Because God gave us all this unbelievable gift. It's called a conscience. And your conscience is there to remind you. It's a gift from God to remind you of this truth. You're sinful. And so every time you think of something, oh, ah, you just feel crummy. I, I, I can't believe some of the things that run through my mind at times. That's you. Whoa, really? Where'd that come from? I can't believe some of the things I do at times. I can't believe some of the things I say at times. I say some crummy things to some of the, the people I love the most. But I have a theological framework for it. I know where it comes from. I know why I have a conscience. I know that was wrong. I know. It's because of sin. Sin bearing witness with my conscience. Here's the deal. Sin marred the image of God within us. He created us. He created us in his image. And when sin came, it marred the image. <laughs> we don't look a lot like God anymore. We don't act like God. We don't talk like God. In fact, sin is such a powerful thing. Some of you walked in here today and you don't even believe in him, right? That's how powerful sin is. You know that this had a maker. You know it. It has four moving parts. But sin is such a powerful thing. You walked in here today believing that somehow a billion years ago, out of nothing came an eyeball, if you will. That's the power of sin. And that's the problem we all have. The great prophet Isaiah said this. He said, all of us like sheep have, have strayed away. We, we left God's paths to follow our own. And that's true. All of us have said, hey, God, you know what? I, I'm not going to live my life according to what you have to say. I'm going to do life my own way. I'm going to do it my own way. I'm the CEO of my own life. You're, you're not going to tell me how to live. You're not going to tell me what to do. 
We've all blown it. We've all disobeyed God. But the story gets worse. When Adam sinned, it not only messed up everything down here on planet Earth, it also brought with it a huge consequence. And that consequence is this. Sin brought God's punishment upon your life. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 34, the Lord forgives people for evil. You confess your sin to him, he'll forgive you. He'll forgive you for your sin and for turning against him. He'll forgive you for all that, but he doesn't forget to punish guilty people. And guilty people are those that just live in their sin. The great prophet Isaiah went on to say this, see the day of the Lord is coming, a cruel day with wrath and with fiery anger to make the land desolate and to destroy the sinners with it. Beloved, sin's a a horrible thing. When Adam sinned in the garden, disobeyed God in the garden, it came with a a huge consequence. Romans chapter six says, for the wages of sin is death. Death, we've died spiritually with God and cut us off from God. And this is where Jesus comes in. Because there was nothing we could do to fix the problem. Nothing. And as I said, this is where the, you know, Jesus comes into the story. This is why Jesus is the central figure of the Bible. This is why Jesus is the central figure of this church. This is why all the songs that we sing here at Big Valley Grace are about Jesus. This is why we teach Jesus and nothing but Jesus. You see, from Genesis chapter three on, Genesis chapter three is where sin enters into the world. God says this, listen, I created you. I created you in my image. I created you with an unbelievable purpose. I created you with this great purpose in my image and I love you deeply. And so I'm going to send a savior. I'm gonna send a Messiah. And as I said, those 39 books in the Old Testament are all about God and his promise to send a savior to us. When you get to the New Testament, we're gonna celebrate this in 17 Saturdays. Today, in the town of David, a savior has been born for you. He is Christ the Lord. That's what Christmas is all about. See, God made you. He created you in his image. He's got a purpose for your life. He loves you deeply. But sin had goofed everything up. And it was Jesus who came to fix the problem. Jesus said this in John chapter 3, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish because of their sin, but have eternal life. Jesus went on to say this. He said, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. Why? For God's wrath remains on him. Sin brought with it the consequence of God's wrath. Romans chapter five says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Look, Jesus didn't come and die on the cross for a bunch of good people. I was a scoundrel. The first couple of decades of my life, I was a scoundrel. I didn't believe in him. I did a lot of really evil, wicked things. I led a lot of people the wrong direction. A lot of people had the the unfortunate consequence of running into me when they were younger. and, And because of me, they're smoking weed and snorting coke and doing all kinds of crummy things. And they still might be Hooked on it, I don't know. And Jesus went to a cross and died for me while I was still a sinner. While you were still a sinner. Because he loves you deeply. He didn't die for a bunch of good people. None of us were good. Sin had impacted all of our lives. There he is on a cross. Demonstrating I love you. I know you don't believe in me. I know you're not living according to my word. 
But I created you, and I created you in my image, and i got a purpose for your life, and I love you. I'm showing you how much I love you. Bottom line is this. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, in other words, we're truthful about our sins. He, God, is faithful and just, and he'll forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In other words, the wrath of God won't be hanging over your head anymore because the sin that separated you from him would be dealt with. Here's, I'll end with this. One of my favorite things Jesus said. He said this, I've come that you might have life. Because he knows what sin did. It brought death. Hey, I created you, God says. I created you in my image. I created you in my image with this unbelievable purpose. I created you in my image with this great purpose and I love you deeply, but sin messed it all up. And so Jesus says, I've come. Here's why I came, that you might have life again, real life. And I just got to believe there's some of you here going, man, I want that life. Who wouldn't want that life? Hey, I just can't believe somebody would get up and go, I don't want, no, I don't want that life. You want that life. I just, I got to believe that God brought you here that you would say, man, I want that life. You walked in here today as skeptic. You walked in here today an unbeliever. But you know what? Last night, there were a whole lot of people that left differently. Maybe that might be you. So this is what I want you to do. Just close your eyes for just a moment, okay? Just close your eyes. And I don't want you to pray. I just want to get you alone, okay? I don't worry about your wife or your husband or your friends or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or whatever. Just, just you all by yourself. Just you. And if you're here and you're going, man, I, I want the life. You get it. God has done something in your life and you're here and you're going, man, I think I, I, I get it. I want the Lord. You walked in here an unbeliever. But you want Christ. This is all I want you to do. I just want you to pray this prayer just quietly in your heart. You know, you don't find this prayer in the Bible anywhere. I'm going to make it up. But if you believe it, God knows it because God sees it. Change your life. If you mean it, just say, dear Jesus, thank you for revealing truth to me today. Thank you, Jesus, for creating me. Thank you for creating me in your image. Thank you for giving me a purpose. Help me to discover what that is. Thank you for loving me. And right now, I surrender my life to you. Though I don't know much about you, I'm giving you my life. Forgive me of my sin. Help me, Jesus, to grow in my relationship with you. And while your heads are bowed, just for a moment, your eyes are closed and all that, so I can rejoice in maybe the decision you made. Can you just, and the lights are weird up here, so, so just raise your hand, maybe if you're up in the balconies or whatever, make sure, make sure I see it. And yeah, 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 yeah. You can put your hand down. Well, once I see it, just raise your hand. Make sure I see it, your hand. I, I got you back there. I see a young man right up there. Go on, keep, keep your hand. Make, make sure I, I, I see you. Yeah, way back there. Yeah, right up here. Cool. Yeah, right down here. Yeah. Obviously, I can't see over in the venue, but Pastor Scott can. All right, everybody look up here real quick, okay? Here, here's the other bunch of hands that went up. I don't know, maybe some hands went up over in the, in the venue. I'm gonna ask you to do something. It's pretty simple. In just a moment, we're going to end, and then all the new visitors are going to come down here, and I'm going to give you a Bible. I'm going to meet you, shake your hand, then we'll get out to the food and all the stuff. It's going to be great out there, okay? 
But before that happens, I just want everybody to take their cards out that Pastor Bobby had you fill out. And here's the deal. There were a bunch of hands that went up in here. Maybe there were hands that went up over in the venue. And if you prayed, you gave your life to Christ, and there were a bunch of hands that went up. This is all I want you to do. Just, just put a one up in the corner. And these, these are going to be given to me. I'm going to take them home tonight, and I just want to rejoice. I, took, I had these home with me last night. The one, I gave my life to Christ. Right there. Just put it up there. And I'll send you something in the mail or, 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 or snail mail if you don't have an email address, whatever. I just want to rejoice in the decision you made, okay? So just put it up there. But maybe you're here and you're going, you know what, I need to be baptized. I'm, I'm a Christian and the low-hanging fruit is baptism, man. If you can't, if you haven't even done that, man, I, I, I just, What? That's, that, that's like, it's like nothing. You, you, you put, put a two on the card and say, you know what, pastor, I need to be baptized. I'm a Christian, but I, I need to be baptized and, and we're, we're gonna take care of that, ASAP. May, maybe you're here and you're a Christian, but you got away from the Lord and this is a moment where you're saying, I, I need to repent of my sin. I need to rededicate my life. I'm going to walk out of here different. I've been off track for a week, a month, a decade, maybe two decades. And you've just been goofing around with your life. You, you, you took back control of your life. And today's the day you're going to say, no, no, no. I'm repenting of that. I'm going to rededicate my life to being a follower of Christ. His will is going to be more important than my will. You could put a three on that card. It could be you've been coming to Big Valley for a while and you're not a member of the church. And this is the day when you go, you know what, count me in, man. I, I, I'm put, you put a four on the card. And by the way, you can have more than one number. <laughs> you see, the reason why some of you need to rededicate your life is because you never were baptized. You couldn't even take that little step. And maybe it's, I need to be baptized. And then, at the same time, I'm rededicating my life. So you could have a one, two, three, four up at the top of these cards. And here's the deal. When I'm done and we're done, new visitors are coming here. And then I'd ask you, if you gave your life to Christ, you want to be baptized, you want to rededicate your life, or you want to become a member, I'm going to ask you to come up here too. I'm going to take five minutes. That's it. Everybody else, you guys are going to leave and head out and go eat and go have fun time. And I'm going to meet up here like I did last night with those of you that made some sort of decision. That makes sense? Father, thank you for our time. Give us a great time out there, fellowshipping and all the stuff that's going on out there. Thank you for those that are providing all the live music. I look forward to meeting people up front here. And I pray this in your name. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Okay, everybody, you can take off. New folks, you come right down here in front. If you gave your life to Christ, come down here. If you want to be baptized, you come down here. You rededicated your life. You get down here, all right? You want to become a member of this church, you get down here right in front, and we'll just sit in the front rows here. Just sit in the front row.